Welcome to Rick's Corner, brought to you by Old School Labs, the brand I trust and the only one I put my name to. Use my code, Drayson12, on the link below. Rick's Corner, the man, the myth, the legend, now on with the show. Hi, it's Rick Drayson from Rick's Corner, and just as I said, I'd be on at 3.30 talking about professional wrestling. Now, I usually talk about bodybuilding and nutrition and workouts and sets and reps and how to get the best body you can possibly get by following what I do, and it works really well. But I'm questioned wherever I go uh, to a point of stop asking me. When they find out I wrestled, they want to know everything. Did you know Freddie Blassie? Did you know Mr. Moto? Did you know the Hulk? Did you know Andre the Giant? Yes, I knew all of these guys, and I worked with them from 1965 on. In 1965 was when wrestling was uh, old school, like very old school. And the guys were older, uh, I'd say 40 plus, and I was 20. So I was the young one of the group. I told my mother at that time, I was playing in a band, a guitar, and I was doing very well, but I didn't know what I wanted to do with my future. I had won a few bodybuilding contests, and I said, I think I want to go into wrestling. Why in the world would you do a thing like that? I said, I, I don't know. I, I think it looks interesting. My dad used to take me all the time, and you can make a living, and you can have a four-sided uh, theater where you can play to the audience, and I always wanted to flip somebody over my shoulder. <laughs> And I didn't know at the time, I said, how this works. I mean, we never knew, is it real or is it not real? People say it's not real, but it was real enough that it scared the hell out of me. So I um, took it upon myself to talk to two wrestlers that came to the YMCA in Bakersfield on Thursdays right before their show. I said, so if I want to go into this business, what do I have to do? They said, well, you definitely got a good body. And I said, well, I've just won some bodybuilding contests, and yes, I'm in great shape. Um, they said, well, you need to have somebody train you, and there's no such thing as schools back then. You need to go to the Olympic Auditorium on 19th and Grand in Los Angeles, which to me was like an hour and maybe an hour and 50 minutes away, almost two hours. Go upstairs, and there's Mae Young. She's the woman's world's champion. She's in her 40s, and she's really good, and she has a makeshift ring in her office, probably 14 feet by 14 feet on a hardwood floor with a mat. So I said, okay, I'll do that. So I drove down there and I threw my mom in the car because my father had passed away and I thought didn't want her to be lonely. And I took her down to the Olympic and we went in these big doors. I mean, it looked like the doors you would fit uh, blimps into. That's because they could get um, like film crews and all that in the doors. And then there's these 15,000 seats in that arena. And the pigeons are flying in and out and uh, seagulls and whatever. So we went upstairs and I knock on the door and Mae Young answers the door and she gives me that look, like, hey, can I help you? I said, well, I'm Rick Grayson. I called you about taking some instruction in wrestling. Oh, yeah, come on in. And she had on her one-piece bathing suit and her hair all pinned up with Aquanet hairspray, which I could smell forever. Uh, and I, I said, okay, what do we do? She says, take your shirt off. Let me have a look at you. So I took my shirt off, and she goes, oh, wow. She said, I can make some money with you. You got a hell of a body. Yeah, we can do something. Let me see how you can move in the ring. I said, well, I've never moved in the ring. So I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. She's, well, just get in the ring. I'll show you some things. 
So she shows me a body slam and she threw me around and she picked me up and slammed me again over her shoulder. Then she had me do the same thing to her and she'd take the bump. And we went back and forth for probably, oh, I'm, I would say maybe an hour and a half. First thing you get when you try this is mat burns on your elbows and they bleed and they're sore and you think, oh God. And then you get kicked a little too hard or you get hit a little too hard. She says, now let me tell you something. There's all kinds of wrestling. What we do here, what I'll teach you, number one is American style like you see here on the on TV, Japanese style like they do in Japan, which is a bit on the right side and it's a little stiffer, Mexican style, which is like lucha and that's on the right, and then shoot style, which means you gotta fear for your life and fight the guy. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll learn all those. So um, this is what we did and, and she taught me how to take a bump, which in layman's term is fall backwards, how to fall forwards, how to flip forwards, and how to protect yourself when you hit with both hands on the mat so that you don't break your neck or break your back. Tuck your chin when you hit because otherwise you bang your head. I don't know how many times you get a massive headache. And it was repetitious. We'd go over and over and over. And then she brought me into a class. They had uh, two or three girls and one guy. Uh, one of the girls was actually working on matches and she was there to help out. The other two were hoping to. And the other guy had worked a couple of starting matches and I worked with him a bit, which was kind of fun. But um, Back then, the guys like that, they thought, well, we're just going to stiff you and make you know that it really hurts so that you don't complain when you get in there. And they did. It wasn't really that loose. They really did stiff me hard. So I showed up, oh, I guess five days a week. Sometimes it was in the morning. Sometimes it was in the evening, depending on her schedule. I'd drive from Bakersfield to L.A., train for two hours, drive home, hit the gym, play in the band at night. And so I was pretty well beat up physically. I did this for six months, and my mom kept saying, when are you going to quit? When are you going to quit? I said, how can I quit? I haven't even started yet. So um, after six months, I had seen a couple of matches down at, in Bakersfield at Strongbow Stadium, and Buddy Killer Austin was on the card. He's a big guy, about 6'3", blonde hair, big neck, eyes on the side of his head, big belly, skinny arms, and he was always kind of drunk, and he would fight Pedro Morales. They had rough matches. I mean, just rough, really, really bad. And I thought, that's the last person I want to get into the ring with. He's going to kill me if I ever do. So she says, after about six months, I, she says, okay, the boys from the office are going to come in and have a look. It was uh, Jules Strombo, Mr. Moto, uh, forget who the other one was, but Buddy Killer Austin, the same guy I didn't want to see. She says, you're going to be working with Buddy on the first match uh, next Wednesday night on Channel 5. I said, oh, man, I don't want to work with him. He's going to kill me. Ah, you'll be okay. Just do what I say. So we get into the ring and we lock up and he locks up with me so hard to the back of his hand, which were like big baseball mitts. I actually saw stars. I thought I was going to pass out. So he says in his wrestling voice, I like to lock up hard and then I get loose. So you'll be okay, son. So we did a couple of moves and this and that. He says, you'll be fine. We'll work Wednesday night TV. And he says, you'll put me over because that's what you do when you start out, but it'll be good for you. So I said, okay, that's what we'll do. I, you know, like, yes, sir, whatever you want. So I show up Wednesday night. My mom had made me a blue sequin jacket because that's what we wore back in those days. And um, I enter the ring, and there's about 12,000 people there, and no one really knows who I am, but they see that I'm the baby face. So they're all cheering for me. Then he enters the ring with a scowl on his face, and they're all booing him. And I think, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. Jimmy Lennon was the announcer, and Dick Lane's called the matches on, on the side of the ring. And Jimmy Lennon says, from Santa Monica, California, the blonde bombshell that we have here with blue eyes, all-American boy, Rick Drayson. And I said, okay, 
hi everybody and so we did all the, and then he looks at me and started snarling and then we locked up and did a couple of moves here and there and he gives me a pile driver towards the end which is they don't do anymore they just they uh, got rid of them and he pins me one two three and that's it i get out of the ring and i'm still breathing i'm still alive and i get down to the dressing room he said that was really good just listen to what you're told you're new and if you follow instruction you'll be good so that started it out and then from that point on they started booking me every night like in uh, ventura san diego olympic auditorium thursday nights in bakersfield friday nights in olympic auditorium saturday night was channel 13 in san bernardino and it went on and on like that so i paid my dues and i worked out in the ring probably five six days a week for the following six months before i got sent somewhere else and then i went to portland oregon and wrestled there and i'm down in the south and wrestled there back to Vern Gagne's awa with billy superstar graham and i wrestled back there and i learned a lot a lot all over the world from some of these guys some of these guys were monsters but you had to work with them and you learned something different because they were all different in the ring even though it's universal holds they're all different now the thing i want to say is people say well isn't that fake I am not a fake. Trust me, I'm not a fake. Um, you go through the holds, you go through the moves, and you would be able to do that on the street and really annihilate somebody if you put full pressure on it. But in the ring, you're working with somebody, so you don't want to kill them because they got to make a living for their family, and they work the next night. So you work a little bit snug, and then you sell the hold of what you're doing, but they're real. If you get hit with a chair, people say, that's a fake chair. Nope, it's a steel chair right out of the audience, and they hit you over the head with it. you got to know how to take the hit. You got to know where to put yourself in position so you don't switch your head open. And nine times out of ten, it will cut you open. Punches are thrown and punches land. And sometimes they land too hard. And sometimes they'll land enough that will knock a tooth out. So you've got to have your timing set so it lands just right and doesn't hurt you. But if you step into it, you're going to get hit. If you step away from it, the punch ain't going to register and you can't sell it. So that's part of the deal. You've got to really have the timing down. Kicks to the stomach are hard. Stomps to the back are hard. Uh, body slams jolt you. You get thrown out of the ring. You really do land on the cement. It's not fake. Somebody jumps on you out there. They jump on you, and you got to be there to be able to catch them, and it's not easy. So I explain this to people when I'm out, and they ask me questions about it, and they said, yeah, but you know who's going to win. I said, does it really matter who's going to win? It doesn't really matter. It's up to the promoter. Whoever he's pushing and having uh, uh, sell tickets, that person will win and the other one won't. But your time, your time will come and you'll win too, so it doesn't matter. I didn't care if I won or if I lost. I just want to make sure I did a good match. A wrestling match is a good beginning, a great story in the middle, and a good finish. And that's what tells the story, and that's what you have to have people do. They have to understand what you're doing, they have to like what you're doing, or they have to dislike what you're doing, but in the meantime, they're being entertained. And so you have to entertain them, good or bad. Um, they want to love to hate you. I wrestled as a heel for a while as the bad guy, but they wanted to love me. They didn't want to hate me. So I switched to babyface because it worked better for me anyway. And then sometimes I'd put a mask on. I'd wear a mask in the ring, and I'd go as a different character. But they usually pretty much knew from my body who I was. I had worked with my son Shane, who got in the ring with me after a while. I trained him, and we had some matches together where he was my tag partner, and other times he was my opponent. When he was my opponent out of town, I put a mask on and nobody knew where we were related. So um, it was kind of a family deal and it was fun to do. My son Adam worked as a referee a little bit. But if I had to do it all over again, I would. I had the time of my life. I met good people all over the world. I worked with wrestlers who meant a lot to me. We're all family. Many of them are gone now, which I'm very sad about. But they've been to my house like Roddy Piper and Steve Austin. And these people have been over here and Gene LaBelle, who I started with in 65. 
and they mean a lot to me in my heart. Um, I'm really sad that they're gone because that was an era in my life similar to bodybuilding that paralleled that really took a p big part of my life and made me who I am. Um, wish I could go back and do it, but I've got too many injuries. You know, the shoulders are gone. I had a knee replacement. I tore tricep. I tore both quads. And people say, gee, Rick, why do you limp? I said, well, you try my career that I did it for 36 years and tell me you're not going to limp. Many of the guys are in wheelchairs. So I just wanted to say that tried to explain to everybody what this is all about because everybody has preconceived ideas. If you're a wrestler, you just get in the ring and jump around. Well, that's not the case at all. Today's wrestling is different. They've modernized it. They've made a very commercial product out of it. All the young guys that are doing it are great athletes. They know how to move in the ring, and they do a really good job about it. The matches uh, aren't old school like it was when I went, which I actually believed better because I thought it was real. Um, and the older wrestlers were really good at selling what they did. It's just, it just, they were just good at it. And they had finishes that could really piss you off and make you want to come back and see them get really beat. It's a crowd psychology situation, and you learn that as you go along. Some people never learn it. Some people never get it. But um, I learned a lot, and I applied it to my life. I applied the discipline and the knowledge and everything I learned in the ring from the senior wrestlers to myself, and I've had a great deal of success in other things I've done. And I owe a lot to that, because if I never would have done it, I don't know the road not taken. We have roads in life that we pick to go down. The road I picked was the one that worked for me, and that was a good one. And the one if I didn't pick, I don't know where I would have ended up. I have no idea, and I will never know. But I know the one that I liked, and that's where I am today everyone now you can have the gold gym logo drawn by me the artist rick drayson personalized and made out to you and signed by me to frame and put on your gym wall or wherever you see fit to do so it's a piece of bodybuilding history it will never be duplicated again it's the largest selling icon t-shirt logo in the world and i'm the guy that drew it and i will draw it for you just go to my website rickdrayson.com and order there you can pay through paypal and it'll be sent out right away and be sure to watch Rick's Corner for all the videos on bodybuilding, nutrition, fitness, pro wrestling, and anything that suits your interests as far as getting physically fit and being the best you can be from the golden era of bodybuilding. It's Rick Drayson. He's the equalizer, baby. See you next time.